Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the I Can Do This podcast. I'm your host, Liz Seneker, and today I have the most exciting episode from yours truly to you. And I'm sharing on how to take a fluffy idea and turn it into a plan that is executed. I think growing up my whole life, I have always been the person, the friend, the classmate that people go to to help get projects done or off of the ground. Um, Growing up, I participated in helping launch a after-school program for girls in grades four to six, in which I co-founded and fundraised for. Growing up, I planned my wedding. You know, we planned multiple moves. I planned a couple different adventures and even starting this podcast. So I wanted to write out some notes and share with you guys my thoughts on how to take a brilliant idea and actually put it into action, which I believe is a strength of mine. I've been told that my whole life, and I hope that these words of wisdoms and opinions from myself are able to help you. Just to start off, I always like to say that, you know, obviously these are my own personal opinions and your results may vary, but I hope that these words of wisdom will help you out. So I believe that we all have ideas, creative ideas that we want to do, but it feels like more often than not, they just stay that. Ideas locked up inside of our head and not actually progressing forward, stuck in our brain as a someday I will do blank. So in today's episode, I'm going to share my thoughts on how to take an idea and put it into action in hopefully a few months or less. Disclaimer, if your idea requires a lot of capital, you may need more time, but more on that later. Point number one, and I guess just to give you a heads up, we have four points and a bonus point for you to take notes on if you want to take notes. Um, Definitely grab a pen and paper and write this down. I... I personally think, like, just to pause here, you should be grabbing a pen and paper to write this down, if not to start writing down your goals. So the first point that I have is to brainstorm boldly on paper. Ironic, I know, right? So grab that piece of paper and list every single thing that you need to do to crush your goal. Here is why. When you write it down, it turns things and ideas from air planning, which will turn into an airplane, and either fly away or be forgotten or not land really well into tangible checklists and it actually puts reality into what you need to do to move forward. When you write something down, it goes from feeling like an overwhelming, overbearing, humongous project into something that is that you can take tangible steps to move forward. You break it down into bite-sized pieces. It's like that old adage that people say of if you want to eat an elephant, you have to eat it bite by bite. You can't just swallow the whole thing at once. Not that you want to eat an elephant, but if you did, that's how you would do it. Once you have a checklist or all of your ideas written out, from there you can actually figure out what you need to focus your energy on. When we are just brainstorming in our heads and not actually writing anything down, sometimes we get caught up in working on something that isn't actually moving us forward. I know for myself, sometimes I've had days like this where I'm like, I am going to clean my house. And then I start organizing a drawer that nobody ever goes in. And granted, organizing that drawer is important. But if I want to have my house feel cleaner by the end of the allotted time I have for cleaning, I need to focus on the big things first. So when we are brainstorming, you're going to want to prioritize it. And this is kind of how I think of prioritizing. And it's a really good analogy about putting... Um, things into a jar. So if you have rocks, sand, water, and pebbles, 
when you are putting them in the jar, if you start by pouring the water into the jar first and then the sand, and then try adding the big rocks after, it is going to overflow and not leave enough room. But if you put the big rocks into the jar first and then the pebbles and kind of shake it around, pour your sand on top, and then your water last, the sand and the water and the pebbles will fill in the cracks around the big rocks. So once you're when you're prioritizing, you need to do um, sorry, you need to write out what you need to do versus what is fun to do. I find, you know, it's really fun to design a website or review the latest tech of possibly a laptop that you might need in the future for your project or maybe even brainstorm multiple logos. But the things that are typically fun, I find, don't actually move us closer to our goal. It's kind of like picking paint colors for your future house that you're building when you first need to mix the concrete and pour the foundation. When you're looking at what's fun versus what needs to be done, I think it's a really good idea to ask yourself, what do I need to do now and what can wait? I break things down often for myself into the first three steps. So an example being, you know, if I wanted to start a business of remodeling tables, I would need three, the three things that I think would be crucial for me to actually start would not be a fancy logo. It would not be a new computer or the highest technology for sanders and stuff like that. Although those things would be nice and maybe can be something that I purchased down the road. The first three things that I would focus on is A, a way that people can find me. So even if that's just on my personal social media, I post, hey guys, I'm starting to remodel tables. If you're interested, send me a DM. Maybe I create a profile on Kijiji that people can reach out to me. and Or maybe I start an Instagram page. You know, that could be getting a little bit more complicated, but you don't need to go in and build a whole website. You just need a way that people can get in contact with you. Number two, I need a product. So I want to start small. So maybe if for my table business, I'm going to pick up a table from the thrift store, borrow or, you know, find one from a friend that's interested in my services or thrift it. Maybe it's my own table on, you know, and then that will be a great place for me to start. Number three is I'm going to try to figure out my price point that makes sense for my business. And I'm going to do that by creating some type of equation of the cost of the product for me to get it. If I'm thrifting tables, the hours it takes me to complete sanding and restaining the table, plus an artistic fee, which can be whatever it is that you feel is necessary for your art. As an artist, you should have an artist fee. You shouldn't just be charging hourly because it is you and your creativity that you are selling, not just the hours that you are working. So for example, if I was selecting a table and the, pro- the table cost $100, that took me 10 hours to complete at $10 an hour, and I charge a $200 artist fee for every table, that's a $400 table that I would market on whatever platform I feel that would be necessary for me. So another great example of picking your first three steps of is, you know, if you wanted to start a podcast, I think that that's a really fun idea. I think you need to pick a name, you need to pick a platform that you are posting your podcast to, and you need to pick the topics that you're going to podcast about, and that is it, just go. (laughs) I think if you let yourself get caught up, you can let yourself become bogged down in doing a lot of research, and we'll talk more on that later. In brainstorming, I think it's also really important to think about who are the people that I need to know 
that will help move me forward. John Maxwell says quite often, who do you know that I should know? Whenever he's taking someone out for dinner or getting to know them or interviewing them, and that's how he grows his fingers in society. And whenever you get the chance to, when you realize that someone would be a key connection to you in growing your business or growing your project or whatever it is that you're excited to do, you want to see if there's a way that you can get connected with them. And I don't mean this in a creepy way. I mean, do they offer a class? Can you learn from them? Would they be open to letting you take them out for coffee? You buy the coffee and ask them questions. What is the best thing that you could do to get closer to them in proximity to them? Not just standing near them, but looking to almost disciple and learn from what they have done. If you haven't heard the term disciple before, just like a small tangent, discipleship goes back, in my mind, maybe you have a different meaning than I do, but for me, I always break it down to biblical, where it goes back in time to where you would disciple a, you know, a religious leader or a prophet or, yeah, just a religious leader back in the day. You would follow in their footsteps and see how they treated people, how they taught people, and everything that they did to serve the community, and you would follow in their footsteps. So discipleship means to quite literally, you know, follow directly behind someone that is a leader that you want to aspire to be. So that is what I think of when I think of, you know, connecting with people who are further down the path of something that I want to do. And, you know, obviously sometimes you may not have access to those connections, but if even if someone's super successful and they've written a book, you reading that book is your way to connect with them indirectly. So when you look at all of the things that you've brainstormed and you have it all written down of every single idea that came to your mind in just a big idea soup, Ask yourself, how soon can each piece of the puzzle be completed? So when you're looking at it, say you think like this part of the project is going to take me 10 minutes. This part's going to take me two hours. This part's going to take me a couple of days. Put those things down on paper so that you actually know how long it is going to take you. You're really going to want to under promise and over deliver to yourself on your own goals of the time that it takes you to complete what you are doing. Overestimating the time for things like shipping and even when you're learning a new skill, the time that it will take you to complete it. Do you have any life events that are coming up that would be relevant to your schedule? Like if you're planning a wedding, you may not be in the best mindset all the time to also be launching a podcast at the exact same time. You may need to find a little bit of balance in between that where, you know, you dedicate uh, an hour to a few days a week to working on this, but it's not necessarily an everyday thing. So having some grace with yourself on that. Number two, when you are doing that, you're going to want to look at all of the time that it takes to complete something. And you're going to want to lasso it in and kind of like you're going to want to have two pegs. So you're going to have one peg that says the start date and another peg that says the end date. And you're going to lasso it in. So you're going to hook a rope essentially around both sides and you're going to try to squeeze all the pieces together. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but to me, what I'm doing is I'm looking at it and saying, when do I think I could realistically be done the whole project and putting an estimated date out there? So, you know, maybe it's two months from now, three weeks from now, four weeks from now. Like if I'm, if I go back to when I was planning my podcast, I said, I want to launch a podcast in a month. And then I worked backwards from there. And then I said, okay, when is my start date? You know, maybe today or next week. And then in between, you're going to want to put in all of the pieces that are key that you need to do to actually get launched. Now, with that being said, not everything needs to be done for you to actually start doing something. 
Um, and you need to be, we need to be cautious about when we're planning something, overthinking things and getting into analysis paralysis, which actually brings me into my another point of booking it out. My third point of booking it out is that you really need to set a time limit to when you are researching things so that you do not get analysis paralysis because analysis paralysis will tell you that you cannot do something and that there's not enough room in the world for your idea, that you have competition, that they have failed, that they have taken up all the market space, and that is not true. There is more than enough room in the world for your creative idea and for you to, yeah, really express your creativity as well. When you're researching, take the time to look at what your competition has done. Have they failed? You know, what tools and resources have helped them achieve their goals? Dovetailing off of that, that brings us into our third point. I think as you are building your entrepreneurial creative adventure, you need to truly let go of the perfectionism. And I've heard this analogy used in regards to dating or entrepreneurial adventures or cooking pancakes is the OG of where it came from. But when you are creating something, generally it is going to be like the first pancake where the first pancake is a flop and the second one, you know what you need to change in the batter to make it much better. For me, I'm not a big pancake fan, so it's usually waffles. But when I, when I make waffles, the first one is almost always awful always and from there I know that I need to add in more flour or I need to add in more milk or you know more baking soda whatever it may be that will make it more fluffy or more crunchy or more you know delicious that is what the first pancake analogy is and I think you know the first time that you do anything you need to just know that it's not going to be perfect but it will give you a real life experience And it will give you areas that are tangible for you to focus on and improve. Who do I admire? Who is good at blank? Where do I want to go? And does this person have helpful tweaks? I myself made up a a way to navigate when someone is giving you their thoughts on what it is that you're doing. So there's two types of people. There's the criticizer and the critiquer. And yes, I made up that word. So a critiquer, I'm sure that, you know, they're giving you critics or critiques a critiquer maybe it is a word but anyways a criticizer they will speak negatively their words that they are saying are more related to insults the feedback is non-constructive and non-actionable leaving you feeling hurt and without a direction to go to improve a critiquer the words may still sting our ego but overall the advice is actionable and tangible and with steps to improve. It is natural to have people that do not like you. Just like you do not like every single fashion designer out there or shoe designer out there, it is fair to expect that you will have those who love your work and those who don't. Every successful entrepreneur has had someone who said that what you are going to do will not work. Some of my favorites that have really inspired me is Jamie Kern Lima of IT Cosmetics, who literally was told by the top representatives of Sephora that what she was creating wasn't well known and quite frankly sucked. And then years later, she ended up hiring on that same person to work for her, which was quite serendipitous. Walt Disney was told that his idea would fail. The law of progression says the more that you practice, the better you get. So look at each challenge as an opportunity to grow and not a threat to your ego. 
your 100th sculpture, blog post, digital course, red velvet cake, or whatever it is that you choose that you want to create will be significantly better than your first. So instead of running from that criticism, lean into it. Ask yourself, how can I grow from this? And part two of perfectionism is understanding that not every single person's opinion matters. You want to ask yourself, May Musk, Elon Musk mother, she was told that her modeling career would end and that she would not be a model forever and she actually was quite incredible in breaking down the walls of ageism in the modeling industry. George Lucas, well known for Star Wars, faced resistance on his own and, and Oprah Winfrey is quite inspirational as well. So if you're looking for someone to tell you that you can't do this, you will find them. But if you choose to look for others who have faced the same adversity and persevered, you will find them as well. Number four is accountability partners. And I think that there is three that you need, my friend. Number one is a personal accountability to yourself. My top three are calendar notes, alarms in my phone, and reminder alerts. And I'm sure that you can find an app. I use an iPhone and it has a reminder service, calendar service, and alarms. And so I use all three. And so when I was working on my podcast quite uh, initially, what I did is I actually set an alarm in my phone for every day that coincided with a time that was pretty typical for Austin to go down for a nap and it said work on your podcast and it didn't say anything else. So every single day I was getting a prompt and a reminder just to do something small that chipped away and moved me forward to creating a podcast. So for me now, I have my, you know, a little Google Home or Alexa Home or or, you know, whatever home device that you can have that's a speaker. You can ask it to remind you daily of you know, a to-do list that you need to work on. And that, you know, helps me to take some time every single day or every few days, or at the very least, one to two days a week and actually put steps forward in moving my projects forward. I think you also need an external accountability partner. So that is your second type. I think that you need, you know, some type of coach, a best friend, or maybe even your spouse, somebody external from yourself that can help you to move forward, that can help you to stay on track, that can help check in on you. And they don't have to be there to hold your hand. Uh, I'm not saying that they're there to boss you around. They're not going to be your boss. Just, just to make that clear, they are not your boss. If you want a boss, go get a job. If you want to build your dream, find someone that can just you know check in on you and see how you're doing. And their job as an external accountability partner is just that. Hey, how is blank going? How is your massive art project going? How is the table standing business going? And just to maybe even ask you that like once a month. Their job is not to hold your hand. Their job is just to check in and see how you're doing and maybe to be someone that they can you can bounce some fun ideas off of. The third accountability partner that I think is wonderful to have is a public accountability partner. So for myself, if I post publicly, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean like, to I go out to the news and I tell them what I'm doing or I post all across my social media what I'm doing publicly posting 
It could mean anything really for you, but it just means that you're telling a larger group of what your intentions are. So maybe that's your family or posting to an Instagram page that you're a part of. Or I know that there's a lot of like friend groupings on Facebook. Maybe you post there. So it's not just to the general public. It's to a specific group of people, but still just more than one kind of like your community that can be your hype team along the journey. Posting publicly can also be a great way to tell your audience that you are on the move. If you've ever followed a creator only to be sad that they stopped, you should remind yourself of that. Because when I think of myself in creating a podcast and I listen to other creators that have made amazing podcasts but they gave up or they quit or they stopped, I feel sad in my heart because I truly found value in what they were doing. But then when they stopped, they just, they didn't even know that I was listening and that I missed them. So I think that if you are thinking of your group, your audience, your team, your your community, you want to tell them what you're excited to do. You want to tell them you're going to show up for them so that you can hear back from them as well, which is a pretty exciting thing. Last but not least, my bonus point is to have grace for yourself and grace for others. You have the freedom to choose the direction of your life daily. This project that you are starting can grow into a massive creation or business venture, or it can stay just a small passion project. You can start anything that you dream of starting small and scale it into a massive industry. Your startup does not have to be flashy with the latest tech, 1,000 employees, $100,000 in inventory, and a massive warehouse. You can use your side hustle to pay off your debts or other financial goals. And I also want to pause here to say that if you personally know someone, a local entrepreneur, whatever it is that they do, I'm encouraging you to go and support them because it means so much more to them than you may think. You choosing to support them is like voting with your spending dollar for them to be successful, which is pretty cool. The second thing that I want to touch on in grace is that I'm not giving you financial advice. Realistically, you can do anything you want. And in my opinion, I just think that it's easier to start smaller with less, less risk and more room for grace growing and even failing. It's normal for people to quit on you, people to question you people to tell you that your idea sucks or it's been done before, but I want to encourage you to persevere anyhow and to have grace for those around you. Have grace for yourself that you can start today and change tomorrow, that you have failed a thousand times, but what you have done in the past does not define your future by Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man, sidebar, or woman, who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcomings. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. 
I hope that this episode today has inspired you to go out and to accomplish your goals. If you want to send me a message on Instagram just of what you are excited to do, please send me a message at the I can do this underscore podcast. I'm so excited for you to go out and crush your goals. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, please hit the subscribe button and share it on social media. Send it to a friend. It means the world to me. Thanks guys. Chat with you soon. Have a great day. I want to wrap up today with a quote, the man in the mirror. 